Common sense is not so common. And in an era where global uncertainty is rampant and government is out of control, this is the show making sense of all the madness. Broadcasting live from the Arizona desert, you can't dodge the Hodge. Here's your host, Dave Hodges. Hey everybody, thanks for staying with us through the intro segment into our guest segment. This is Dave Hodges and you're listening to The Common Sense Show. Really glad to be with you. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And listen, you guys are awesome. You're spreading the word. I mean, I get so much feedback that you guys are spreading these broadcasts and you need to. And you need to share with with, uh, liberals as well because we don't want to just preach to the choir. We don't have much time left, folks. And uh, before we join our guests, our esteemed guest, John Moore, ex-Green Beret, current talk show host, activist, uh, you're going to really enjoy John. And I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we're all in agreement. The next 30 days may be the most critical in all of American history, so please get to work. Now, if you don't have your storable food, you really need to do so. We sell MP3 and they are MPS, excuse me, and they have absolutely great quality uh Good delivery, especially in this environment, but the food supply chain is collapsing, and I read that everywhere. So you really don't have a lot of time, and they got all kinds of specials. Go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com for 25-year shelf life, good-tasting food, lots of variety. You really want to go there. And if you haven't heard, we have a TV show, thecommonsenseshow.tv, for less than a cup of coffee per month. $2.50. $2.50. You can get in-depth interviews with no commercial interruptions and also also no censorship. And this thing is exploding. We're trying to hit as many venues as we can until we're taken down and we're all going to be taken down. Make no mistake about it. It's just a matter of time. So we're trying to reach out on as many platforms as we can. And we have a guest today that uh, I've known for years and years. We used to broadcast together over at RBN, Republic Broadcasting Network. And uh, they, they are doing a good job there spreading the word of freedom and uh, John's show up there I think it's the best show on that network and I think it's one of the best shows out there and uh, our mutual friend Paul Martin is always telling me you don't believe what John talked about today and it's always <laughs> groundbreaking it's tremendous John I hear you laughing in the background it's really my pleasure to have you on our show thank you so much for coming on well thank you sir well oh, Paul Martin is an Oklahoma cowboy <laughs> he's relocated to Colorado and a former Marine and very very dear friend um well, Dave, um, we want to get this show off to uh, a start where we want to get people's attention. And I'm going to start with laying some groundwork. First of all, there's more than 3,300 counties in the United States. All but about 300 or so are rural or mostly rural. Uh, most of those counties have at least one coffee shop where the farmers and ranchers come in typically mid-morning. They finish their chores and they have a late breakfast and they talk about the events of the day. So I'm at one of these coffee shops um, about three months ago, four months ago, and a table next to me, there were four men. I know two of them were veterans, Vietnam vets. And the discuss- topic of discussion between these four men was the following, the merits of lethal versus non-lethal booby traps. And uh, this conversation is not an isolated incident. This is happening in most of the 3,000 rural counties around the United States. If you don't believe that's true, well, you're sadly mistaken. Another neighbor, he has uh, the proper license to buy ammunition in bulk directly from Winchester. He he travels up to 
Alton, Illinois, before after he's taken orders from the local guys to buy case lots of the common ammunitions, uh, 223, 9mm, 45, 308, and so forth. And then he brings it back and, and delivers it to the men who've ordered that ammunition. Uh, this has been taking place since last winter. Uh, these men have been getting ready for most of this year, Dave. They know what's coming. They, they don't want it to see it come. They'd much rather live their lives, have their careers as farmers, as ranchers, as loggers, uh, working in the mines, whatever it might be, and spending time with their family and going to church. That's what they want to do. They don't want to have to deal with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, but they're preparing to do so because they feel they have no choice. Point being, Dave, uh, we had about four weeks. Uh, we got the, let's see, today's the third, so exactly one month until Election Day. Exactly one month. And if you have not prepared, it's time to make those last-minute preparations. Make sure you've got a good stock of water, that you've got an inventory of food, a minimum 30 days, more is better, of course, plus uh, radios, ammunition, medical supplies, all the things people need to deal with uh, supply chain being shut down. Another story here, Dave, the uh, manager of the local supermarkets, a friend of mine, we have lunch about once a month. We get together for coffee every two or three weeks. He says, John, for you, he's been a manager for years. John, for years, I've ordered from my warehouse every once a week 850 items. And three days later, I get 850 items. He says, that's all changed now. For the last five or six months, I order 850 items, and I get about 400, less than half. So the inventory arrives, and I've got my clerks spreading the inventory out on the shelves to make it look like we've got product instead of empty spaces. That's also happening nationwide. The supply chain is already in the process of breaking down, Dave. And if you're not aware of that, you need to become aware of that right now. Uh, you can still buy essentials, uh, soups, uh, stews, chilies, things like that at your local supermarket uh, while you can. The products that you sell, Dave, are excellent, and I, I encourage people to get those for long-term storage as well. And stock up with the time we have left, because once that time's gone, well, it's gone, and there won't be any stocking up, will it, Dave? <clears throat> no, absolutely not. And and I'm, you're just echoing what I'm reading about the supply chain. But the other thing that I'm seeing too is the all the flood damage we've done to our uh, fertile farmlands is causing us to really consume this year and next year's harvest. So we're eating our way into a deficit. Right, right. Well, already uh, there's already a lot of food. Some, some food suppliers they only want GMO-free food. They can't even get it in this country because so much cross-contamination uh, with uh, the GMO crops contaminating the non-GMO crops. So they're, they're resorting to getting food from uh, South America and other places that truly is GMO-free. Another issue, kind of a side issue, you know, even if it's got GMO, uh, it'll still fill up your belly and keep you alive. Uh, and when worse comes to worst, you eat whatever you got to eat, don't you, Dave? Absolutely. What's there is what's there. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we got winter coming upon us. Even where you are, it'll eventually become winter. I don't know how bad the winters get there, but in much of the country, we have below freezing temperatures. People need a way to heat up their home without electricity. And they might say, well, I got a gas furnace. Well, what makes that gas blow through the house? It's, a, it's an electric blower motor. Uh, you may say, I have a wood-burning furnace. Well, a wood-burning furnace typically has an electric fan also. So a backup way to heat the home is very wise, and people need to be uh, looking into that now while they can also, don't they, Dave? Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's, they should start yesterday. There's going to come a time 
when they're not going to be able to access much of anything. That's already true when it comes to common caliber ammunition. 9mm, 45, uh, .223, .308. The common calibers are already difficult to get, and when you do get them, the price has gone up dramatically. Even building supplies. I have a blood relative, he's a contractor. He says, John, the price of almost everything has doubled the last nine months. And I said, really? He said, yeah, really. Um, and it makes it difficult to bid a job because typically the bid is, is put in three to four weeks before it's accepted because the prices could raise again between the time the bid is given to the uh, homeowner and, and it's accepted. Uh, it's putting the, uh, these contractors in a, in a bit of a quandary, isn't it, Dave? The, it, it, well, it's going to be a rock and a hard place for everybody. And, and the other thing that's happening, too, and I don't know what's going to happen first, the ability to get food, and that's lost, or food inflation, hyperinflation, will make food unobtainable. And, and the reason I say that, John, not only are the prices going up, but packaging is going down. It's the way the manufacturers are hiding how bad the price situation's getting. Well, that's been going on for 20-plus years. The box is getting thinner and narrower, uh, while the height and, and uh, width is still more or less the same. That's nothing new, but I, I assume it's probably getting worse, isn't it, Dave? Well, it's becoming noticeable to me. I don't do the shopping in our family. My wife wouldn't trust me. But she, you know, I, I look at these packages and go, honey, these are, like, really small. And she goes, oh, that's been going on, yeah. She oh, goes, yeah. they're trying to hide how much this stuff really costs now. Right, right, well... Typically, in a, in a third world country, there's simply no food available. But in a first world country, we have food, but it just becomes uh, unattainable in terms of pricing. Uh, that's what I expect to see. Uh, there'll still be food, but you won't be able to afford it. Exactly. Well, I, there will be food, and you'll be able to afford it if you do certain things. My humble opinion is I think we're being set up, and I base this on the uh, conditions that we didn't open up the processing plants, uh, packaging plants for food when we could have. COVID schmovid, you know, put hazmat suits on, put the National Guard in. We didn't do it, and now we're going to pay the fiddler for this. But if you want food, I have a feeling you're going to have to cross on the other side of the gate where the barbed wire faces in. What do you think? Right. Well, that's very possible. And as you know, Dave, in my bio, I've been a criminal investigator most of my adult life. And in many investigations, you look at what's the same and what's different. And let's look at Sweden. What's the same and what's different? What's different is a lower mortality rate per thousand people. What's different is also almost no lockdowns in Sweden. Uh, so a lot of times when you want to, to uh, solve a problem, you look around and say, well, who's already solved this? I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I'll figure I'll find somebody who's already done it properly and safely, and I'll duplicate what they've done, which brings us back to Sweden. They've properly and safely pretty much dealt with the COVID without the lockdowns, haven't they, Dave? Well, they have, and, and so why are our numbers so much worse than their numbers? Well, once again, look at what's the same, what's different. No lockdowns in Sweden and massive lockdowns in our country. Dave, human beings have been dealing with viruses and pandemics for many, many centuries. This is the first time I'm aware of, and I've talked to some historians, uh, that we've quarantined the healthy people. That's not what's done in a quarantine for many centuries. And what we do in, in with quarantines is we quarantine the sick people. We don't quarantine the healthy people. Exactly. That's what's worked for centuries. And it's what's not being done here. And what's not being, uh, and what is being done in Sweden, of course, is they quarantine the sick people. They don't quarantine everybody else. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and uh, you know, we know that, the, that COVID strikes people with comorbidity issues. It's not a singular cause of death. And usually over the age of 65, if you're under 50, I look at the CDC data and you know the data's flawed. But even right. with their data, your chances of dying of COVID under the age of 50, unless you got a serious health condition, are about zero. Exactly, exactly. Well, and, and, the sister, and, sister, a very dear friend of mine, he's a medical doctor. His sister is a medical doctor and a county clerk in, in a Missouri county. Uh, one of the jobs as a county clerk in Missouri is to keep track of the uh, all the vital statistics, including uh, death certificates. And this woman, God bless her, she's under a lot of pressure to change death certificates to rep represent people dying from COVID as opposed to what they really died from. Um, and God bless her for resisting as best she can. It's a lot of pressure on this woman. But once again, we got 3,300 counties in this in this country with a, an administrative person or office in charge of vital statistics. And I, I don't believe what's happening to my friend's sister is an isolated incident. I believe it's happening in most 3,000 counties plus in this country. What do you think, Dave? Well, I think you're right. And I'd like to ask you a question about that. Did, did you get any feel for where that pressure for her to lie on these death certificates is coming from? I have not yet because I haven't interviewed her personally. It's just secondhand from her brother. Um, she doesn't live that far from me, about a one-hour drive, uh, the county that she lives and works in. And I need to make it a priority to find out where the pressure is coming from. If it's a, the state uh, health people in Jefferson City, Missouri, uh, or someplace else, um, or maybe know, even the CDC. Do you know, John, that when they pay for uh, approximately 13000 for a diagnosis, a COVID diagnosis, and 39000 for a COVID death, um, I know who's paying the money. Do you know who receives the money? Is it city, county, state? Do you have any idea? Well, I thought it went directly to the hospital is what was my impression. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that explains well, a lot. If they, if they don't get the money, why would they bother doing it? That's true. Um, I've had doctors tell me. I, I had a guy actually call me, and he sent me an email and says, Dave, can I talk to him? I'm a doctor in New York City. i got to tell you about this terrible fraud. And I gave him my number, and he calls me, and he says, I could never go on the air with this, and you know what would happen to me. But he said, I had a patient that was in kidney failure and was a days, hours away from dying, and contracted COVID on the last day, and the medical examiner came back and ordered me to change the death certificate. They have that power. Well, that's amazing, Dave, and it's very unfortunate. It is, and then there were four well, people in California um, who were working in a medical office, and they thought, well, we're gonna go get tested today, so they showed up about 10 a.m. They did the paperwork and waited and waited and waited. Pretty soon it's 2 p.m., and they're, they said, that's it. We're going to eat lunch, we're going back to work. They each got letters within five days saying they were COVID positive, even though they never tested. <laughs> well, Dave, I got some breaking news for one of your neighbors are in Phoenix. He's my Thursday guest, the John Moore Radio Show Economic Advisor, Steve Hunt. Big guy, tough guy, healthy guy. He got the COVID. And he's in a hospital for 14 days, which means there's you know, three shifts per day. That would be three. One doctor has to visit him every shift. That's for hospital rules. So he had three doctors a day visiting him for 14 days. Without exception, they all told him the following. They said, Steve, this is public information, by the way, no secret. Steve, you have type A blood. What we found in treating these COVID people, the ones who get really, really sick like you, also have type A blood. It doesn't matter if it's A positive or A negative. Now, that's not being talked about anywhere that I'm aware of. Have you heard of that? Uh, 
I have heard that blood type makes a difference, but I haven't heard anything as specific as you just stated. That's very specific. Very yeah, specific. Very much uh, so. He, he recovered. He's back in the saddle uh, doing his business, which is an economic advisor for people that call him and, and be on my radio show every Thursday. But that's what he learned directly from the MDs. Three MDs a day for 14 days. And I'm not sure how many that would be because there's probably some duplication. But they all, without exception, said the same thing. If you have type A blood and you get the COVID, you're in deep trouble. It sounds like an engineering issue. In other words, could they, was this engineered to attack type A people? Well, we don't know that. We know what it does. We don't know why. Uh, that's an, that's an un, unanswered question that we may never know the answer to. I'll give you an un, another unanswered question. Uh, people frequently will contact me from around the world, and some of them are doctors. And the, where I'm hearing the most from is Australia, Germany. And what they're saying to me is, Dave, we believe China engineered this to bring down the economy of the United States, and they faked how bad it was because we've never really seen real examples of extreme virulence here in our countries. Um, well, recall, I was on my Caribbean cruise in February and watching TV during breaks. And we, we all, most of us saw the video coming out of China where a man would be walking down the street in some city in China and just fall over dead and bleed out. Um, and my question all these months, Dave, has been, how come this not happening here? Well, probably because it didn't happen there either. <laughs> is my is my okay. answer to that. Yeah, we're on the same page. Totally on the same page with this. I, I really believe that this is engineered by China. This is not as severe as they say. But what about a second wave? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Any indications well, there, on that? Well, there's plenty of unverified stories and beliefs that a second wave will be hitting us soon. If, if it doesn't hit before the uh, a, week, a month from today, I'm not sure it would serve any purpose because I think a lot of this has to do with the election and, and uh, trying to destroy the president's campaign. Um, so I've, the stories I've heard and, and read uh, about a second wave, I can't find anything to really get a firm handle on evidence. And I live in the world of evidence, Dave, as you know. But it is, it is a something to be con watching for and be concerned about, I believe. How concerned are you about a possible Chinese Chicom presence, both north of our border, south of our border, and inside of our country? Well, before you and I ever met, I was getting reports of Chicom presence, uh, military presence in uh, Mexico. Um, very dear friend of mine, he's been on my show several times. His uh, YouTube video of him doing a presentation to Oath Keepers is having two and a half million viewers. Command Sergeant Major Dan Page. Uh, he said, he says, John, I got on a helicopter in McDill Air Force Base in Florida. I flew across the Gulf of Mexico, this is 20 years ago, to a Russian military base in Mexico. I said, really? He says, oh yeah, really. Um, so this presence has been going on for decades. Uh, the dream of every military commander is to pre-position your men, your supplies, and your equipment near the, uh, where the war is going to take place before the war takes place. That's always been the dream of every general, to be able to do that. And in fact, they've done that in Mexico and in Canada. Uh, they also pre-positioned men, Russian sputznuts, in this country. I have verified reports from people I trust connected to Homeland Security and FEMA that we know the locations of many of these sputznuts. Sputznuts is an acronym 
it's about two a two foot long uh, of words uh, Russian words for the Russian special forces by the way um, let's educate the audience a bit on who Sputnets are what do you think Dave? sure let's do it okay the uh, training begins in kindergarten I have a very dear friend a couple they uh, they escaped the Czech Czechoslovakia uh, during the uh, communist days and uh, he speaks great English better than many of my hillbilly neighbors but you know he is not a native-born American so I asked him I said how do you get a and of course the Czech language is a Slavic language just like the Russian uh, I said how do you get a native-born Slavic speaking person to speak English with the Nebraska neutral accent like Johnny Carson he says John there's only one way you start tra training them when they're five years old so the Spetsnaz recruiters go to Russian kindergartens and they pick out the five-year-old boys who they can tell through diagnostic testing 13 years in the future when they're 18 will be athletic and bright and agreeable to the military training and they take them out of the normal Russian kindergarten they put them in a Spetsnaz kindergarten where they're immersed in English everything they see everything they hear everything they touch is in the English language start at the bottom left to right uh, by the time they're 18 they speak English with the Johnny Carson Nebraska neutral accent and they think that jumping out of an airplane in the middle of the night and killing people is perfectly normal that's who they bring to this country they can pass as Americans they look like Americans they act like Americans they dress like Americans and of course they talk like Americans and I've mentioned this on my show a number of times that they have various covers that they use when they're here to disguise who they are and what they're really doing uh, when the balloon goes up another old military term that goes to the artillery balloons in the Civil War era and after when a balloon goes up these teams will be activated as assassination teams to assassinate uh, local officials county officials state officials uh, including anybody who might be seen as a leader pastors of churches principals of schools owners of uh, companies that have a lot of employees the uh, uh, to create havoc and cut the head off uh, any quick uh, regaining of control by the people by making use of local folks local men and women who have leadership proven leadership abilities um, that's already taking place also these, these people are in place the Sputznuts uh, Chinese have, have a bit of a problem because they, they can't look like Americans uh, and uh, they're just working undercover in restaurants and in warehouses and in these um, free trade zones which are actually Chinese real estate uh, the, the local sheriff can't go in there so that's where they are ready to be activated when the time comes so I share your concern I've been reading your articles for years Dave that uh, there will be what you refer to a Tet Offensive I lived through the first Tet Offensive I was part of it uh, and the Tet Offensive in 1968 the end of January was when the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese attacked all the provincial capitals at the same time with everything they had uh, the first three days we weren't sure who was going to win it was really very dicey who exactly was going to win that we eventually American firepower overwhelmed the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese and we, we kicked their butts really good but those first 72 hours Dave it was really touch and go it was yeah they even took over the embassy in Saigon they did I was laying on my belly 90 miles from the Saigon listening to the radio that was our only source of information and I'm thinking to myself what chances Corporal John Moore, 20 years old, have if the, if the safest place in the country has Viet Cong 
uh, saboteurs inside the inside the walls. That's what I was thinking at the time. Um, it was not very hopeful, to say the least. <laughs> it was, but my, my version of the uh, Tet Offensive here is we know there's a lot of embedded terrorists, and forget the soldiers for a second, the foreign troops, but embedded terrorists, particularly MS-13, and I've got this a lot from DHS, Border Patrol, and they were brought in largely during 2014, 2015, and there are occasional busts. I mean, the DOJ busted a bunch of them in New York City, about 90 of them around a year ago, but there are a lot more than 90 that came in, and what people don't know, and I say it over and over, they are the assassins for the cartels. Right. And right. I believe well, we that's have, why they've been brought here. UPS aircraft used to haul cargo can also be reconfigured in hours to haul people. And we've got verified reports of UPS planes landing in what might be called regional airports. They're not At night, there's almost no activity at these regional airports, like Springfield, Missouri, for example. And offloading men who uh, don't go through customs and uh, go straight to waiting uh, vans where they dispersed all over the country. We've been being verified reports of that for years, Dave. Yeah, and I, I'm right there with you. In fact, I'll go a step further. I have DEA contact that approached me seven years ago and told me about the training that was going on in Central America between middle with Middle Eastern terrorists and cartels together to form paramilitary units. I'm sure you're aware of that, too. Oh, I am. I am. Um, I haven't done any time in Central America, but friends of mine have. That's just part of the, the world I live in. And they're aware of this training as well. Um, we have uh, one ally in Central America. That, that's El Salvador. I don't know how long they can last against Russian tanks crossing their border. But for the time being, we got one ally in Central America, that being El Salvador. Are you getting indicators? Because I am. I know Steve Quayle is. Paul and I have talked about this that we're under some level of continuity of government, particularly in Utah, uh, Richfield area, Kingman, Arizona, with underground tunnels. Uh, you get any indication this is going on? Well, I have firsthand information on that. that uh, Missouri counties, uh, I'm, I'm a native Missourian. Um, every county has, Missouri has 113 counties. Every county has a county courthouse with all the various uh, offices, the uh, collector's office, the assessor's office, the county clerk, the circuit clerk. Um, Many of these counties are uh, putting the critical files on thumb drives once a week. Those thumb drives are kept in remote locations away from the courthouse. Uh, there's also preparations made to protect the uh, county commission. The, the, uh, in our county, it's three men. Uh, it always varies. It's sometimes three, sometimes it's five, maybe even seven in some cases, to protect these men because they're the ones who write the checks uh, so that there can be a continuity of government in case uh, all hell breaks loose and they still need to pay people and buy stuff. They got these three men in a safe location where they can still write checks and, do, and conduct the business of the county. That's already taking place, Dave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, we've got, I had reports at Richfield and, and I was sent an airplane tracker. And uh, I, on a, one, a Saturday about a month ago, on a town of 5,000 people, I tracked uh, with an oversized runway I tracked 21 planes came in that day. Are these civilian aircraft or military or government, you know? Don't know, and, and I'm not smart enough to know that. The, 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 you could you well, could put your mouse on the plane and get a tail fin number. Well, the, um, it's called the N number, and the N number is public record. Um, sometimes in these covert operations, the aircraft has no N number. Uh, that is public record, and it could be looked up. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but that is significant that's a lot of aircraft for a small strip yeah and it, also i got reports from other places same thing going on there but i didn't have any confirming radar data but it's it's definitely going on and then at kingman it was interesting kingman is the hub i understand for koga underground tunnels in the west and at the walmart there a month ago i was contacted by an activist in kingman and she was telling me she took pictures and there must have been a thousand soldiers that came in uh in civilian buses unmarked mm -hmm. okay and they were just milling around and uh, i was told by military people i know that they're likely there if we're under continuity of government to seal off uh the hidden entrances so people don't stumble upon or enter these uh areas while we're under continuity of government well continuity of government is a good thing uh, that men and women are making plans to survive the attacks mm -hmm. uh, and that's a good thing it's not necessarily anything nefarious at all uh, that the government knows this is coming they're preparing to deal with it in the most effective way they can uh, the government doesn't have the resources to protect the general population that does not exist it's not going to exist they have the resources to take care of themselves and protect vital infrastructure and have continuity of government at the uh, at the county level and at the state level as well as the federal level. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the other thing I'm, I'm associating with this now is, is the attempt at a coup and a possible civil war connected to these actions. And uh, we're getting some indicators that Trump is not as stationary as it seems that they're moving him around because they're worried about a coup? Do you, have, do you well, know anything about that? I, I don't. Uh, with the resources of the Secret Service, I'd be surprised if they're doing that, but um, anything's possible. All bets are off. Well, I understand the Marines are doing a lot of the security now. Well, the Marines are, one of the, one of the Marines and the Navy both are the most resistant to the New World Order, mm -hmm. and they have been for many decades. Uh, the traditions of the Navy, and of course the Marines are a subsidiary, I don't want to hear it, but they are a subsidiary of the Navy. The Navy provides all their logistical support, which means that uh, most, of the, most Marines are combat fighters, the majority of them, uh, much more so than any other service, um, Army or, or Navy included. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me that the uh, uh, Navy, that the Marines would be used to provide extra security, probably a layer of security outside the perimeter set up by the Secret Service. And when I set up security for a, a VIP, uh, that's what I do. I have different layers of men providing security for the VIP that the uh, perpetrators have to get past before they get to the VIP. Uh, and that's highly, highly likely what's going on. That makes a lot of sense to them. If it is happening, I'm glad it is. <clears throat> I am too. Uh, and, and I'm glad to see if steps are being taken to protect our president. Um, do you have any sense about the next 30 days, um, election fraud, uh, I mean, and I, and I know it's kind of a crapshoot to guess, but what does your gut tell you? Well, the, the vote fraud will be rampant. Uh, that's a given. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the opposition, what I call the socialist, communist, Democrats, Muslims, they want chaos, and they're going to get chaos. That's their goal, is to create doubt, to, to create uh, wondering who really won this election. Uh, that's that's their goal, and they will achieve their goal, because the mainstream media will be complicit in helping them achieve that goal of making people wonder, well, who won this thing? Um, what needs to be protected is the Electoral College. That needs to be protected by any and all means necessary, because that's really who determines who will be the next president, not the uh, popular vote. 
Um, there's, of course, efforts, efforts to eliminate the Electoral College. The, uh, our opposition, they hate the Electoral College. Um, they want the popular vote because they want, uh, they want, they want to be a democracy. Now, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. If we were a democracy, then the popular vote would matter, but it doesn't. The Electoral College is what determines who will be the next president. So I'm sure that at the highest levels within the federal government, uh, maintaining the integrity of the Electoral College, make sure that the, all the men and women involved are safe and are able to carry out their duties properly and safely will be a matter of the highest priority today. A lot of people are saying, okay, civil war is inevitable regardless of who wins. Do you agree with that, A, and B, how would a civil war commence in this country? It, well, it won't be anything like any other civil war we've had previously. The, the first civil war really wasn't. It was a war between two countries as opposed to an internal war. Uh, this will be entirely different. Uh, it will be primarily in the urban, suburban areas uh, on one hand. On the other, uh, our opponents, our enemies, they will attack infrastructure. It's a simple matter to attack the, the power grid. You don't need uh, you don't need weapons. You don't need explosives. The simple tools from the local hardware store is all you need to bring down the power grid. Uh, sledgehammers, bolt cutters, uh, hacksaws, come-alongs, common hardware tools, items is all you need to bring down the, the power grid. No explosives, no weapons necessary. Uh, so I expect those attacks to be happening, Dave, nationwide, primarily attacking electric substations, which there are thousands of them all around the country. No guards, no security camera, simply a chain link fence and nobody about. Uh, so uh, if they want to ca cause havoc, the quickest and easiest way is to attack the power grid, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And let's assume they are successful in throwing this country into a state of confusion. Is that when the CHICOMs mobilize and come in? Well, they will, they've got their plan. First of all, I believe they'll use the barefoot peasants with AK-47s from South America first. As brutal and barbaric as China is, Chinese are, they'd rather the barefoot peasants from South America uh, throw themselves against Americans first. Uh, so once Americans have used up their ammunition against each other and against the barefoot peasants with AK-47s from South America, uh, the Chicoms and the Russians will come in to, they may, bring, may, they may be brought in uh, as UN peacekeepers uh, to save the day, when in fact uh, their real role is to consolidate uh, the victory and make sure that we all end up de uh, um, dead, quite frankly. There is some documentation to support what you just said, and it goes to the leaked document called FM 39.4, Army Field Manual. And in that document, they talk about detention camps, and they talk about how they're going to be run by Americans in the beginning, but they talk about a transitional phase where foreign operatives are going to be trained to run the camps. And that's very similar to what you're saying here. Um, and, and speaking of the camps, um, do you think Americans are headed for the camps? Uh, well, I know it well, depends if, who's in if charge. There's, if there's no food and your children are hungry, you will go to a camp. Yeah, of course you are. Of course you will. Food will be the weapon. That's been uh, mentioned by these globalists for decades, how food will be used as a weapon to get people to comply. It's a very powerful vehicle for compliance, uh, the, the opportunity to make sure that your, your wife and your children get some food. 
Uh, that will be how they get them there voluntarily, by the way. They won't have to force them. They'll go voluntarily. What about the people that are prepped? Are they going to be able to stay outside the system and largely Well, they'll be, be saved alone? for last. They're, we're a nuisance. Uh, relatively speaking, we're a nuisance. Maybe 3%, 5% is very optimistic. The people who are truly prepared to deal with this. We're just considered a nuisance and we'll be left to be dealt with after everything else is consolidated and taken care of. That's when they'll come after us. And, and so let me ask an ex-military guy, how divided do you think our military is and will this be a conflict of general versus general? It could be. Uh, oh, Hussein Obama fired many of the patriotic uh, flag rank officers. Yes. Um, and um, not all of them. And of course, there's been flag rank officers promoted since Obama left. And uh, that's, for, that's a critical point is who will the flag rank officers support? Will they support the Constitution, or will they, will they support their handlers uh, and, the, and the New World Order? I simply don't know the answer to that. I know that the stage was set by design by Hussein Obama during his eight years of firing men and women who were flag rank officers and believed their oath of office. Uh, many of these uh, fired people, generals could be brought back. As long as they're healthy, they can be brought back to their active duty status. And I, I hope the president has done some of that. I've seen no documentation on it, but I hope he's done some of that. Do you think the election is the catalyst for what we're talking about? It is, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. The, yeah. the catalyst is the is the point at which everything changes. If we do manage to get to the 3rd of November with, uh, without having nationwide chaos, that's a blessing. All bets are off the 4th of November, though. Sounds like you're kind of betting on the fact that you think there's going to be nationwide chaos before the election. I can't take it off the table. It'd be, yeah. It would be, uh, I couldn't sleep at night if I didn't warn people ahead of time. I did this, you know, going back to the Tet Offensive 1968, I got off the plane in Saigon the first week of September 1967. Within 10 days or so, I knew there was going to be a Tet Offensive in 1968. It was not a failure of intelligence at the lowest level. And I was a 20-year-old corporal. Nobody was lowering the intelligence department than myself. If 20-year-old Corporal John Moore knew there was going to be a Tet Offensive. Do you think the higher-ups did? Well, of course they did. It was no secret. And I warned my buddies all that fall. I said, guys, that disgusting fruitcake your parents send you for Christmas, don't throw it away. Hold on to it. Stock up ammunition anywhere you can get it um, and other foods because they're going to hit us and they're going to hit us hard. Uh, despite my warnings, only a few of my, of my uh, members of my unit paid heed. Most did not. They were distracted with other things, doing their jobs. So, yes, uh, it's coming. And it's coming like a freight train out of control downhill. And we aren't going to stop it, Dave. Those are chilling words when I hear you say we're not going to stop it. It parallels what Kamala Harris said when she was defending Antifa and Black Lives Matter, saying, yeah, this is good protests, and it's going to continue to the election and after. And to me, that was a signal for complete domestic unrest. Right. Well, she's playing to her base of support is what she was doing, as opposed to Biden distancing himself last Tuesday from his base of support, which is the same base of support, socialist, <laughs> communist. Yeah, and, and, no, no so, green deal. Who are you kidding? Right. He signed right. on to Bernie's manifesto. Trump was right on the money. There's no manifesto, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's no hammer uh, and sickle either. Right. No, he, he, uh, they lost a few percentage points when he backed away from the new, the new Green Deal. Uh, and every point counts. Uh, 
we're at a point in time. Here's what I tell people, Dave. Um, you're an you're an educator, and you probably know the following: that half the adults in this country are either semi-literate or illiterate, um, especially those under 50 years old. Uh, and whoever influences the most illiterate, semi-literate voters, that person will be elected president. That's an unfortunate reality, isn't it? Hell, yeah, oh, terrible, terrible. And and in fact. It's the people that don't even pay attention to politics until a week before that could decide the election. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I've said the same thing. It's really very, very disturbing. Um, do you think that the Democrats have have the wherewithal to pull off enough voter fraud? And let me preface the question. I'm just going on round numbers, what I see. Biden rallies versus Trump rallies, okay? And then we see, like today, the anomaly of Trump supporters in D.C. behind enemy lines. And D.C. is behind enemy lines with Bowser in charge. And we see all these wonderful uh, displays for Trump and nothing for Biden. So the polls are totally fake. I'm almost feeling that Trump could get 70% of the vote. Um, It'll be overwhelming. It'll be overwhelming. And... But let's not forget the Electoral College. They have raw numbers when it comes to these major cities, Chicago, Los Angeles, New York. They've got a lot of raw numbers. But we're, the popular vote is not what elects the president. It's the yeah. Electoral College. Uh, and the, the vote fraud, once the vote fraud gets above 8 or 10%, it starts becoming really obvious that it is vote fraud. So they'll, they'll take it as far as they can without making it obvious that what they're doing. In the meantime, um, it's too late to register to vote for most people. It depends on what state you live in. If you can, if you're not registered to vote, you need to be registered to vote right now, yep. Monday morning, get to the county clerk's office, get registered to vote if you're still allowed to, and uh, uh, help people get to the poll, whatever it takes, offer child care, offer transportation, whatever it takes, give them your employees a day off to go vote, um, because we need overwhelming numbers, Dave. We, we really need those overwhelming numbers really bad, don't we? Yeah, I was talking to a staffer for an Arizona congressman, and um, she told me, she said, we really believe we have to get 60% of the presidential vote in, in the uh, swing states, the contested states, with the highest electoral votes to win the election. We do. No 60%, that's phenomenal. It is, but there's no choice. It has to happen. And every vote counts. Many people, oh, my vote, I'm just one person. My vote doesn't count. I've seen in my, in my county, a woman was running for her county office she lost by six votes, and her blood relatives didn't, which was more than six, didn't vote for her. Uh, so the, these these votes can be these elections can be decided by a very slim margin. But at, at the presidential level, we need every vote we can get, don't we, Dave? We really do. What do you make of the comments? And I'm confused by this. Pelosi made a comment about a month ago. She said, "I don't know if Trump knows it or not. He's leaving the White House the day after the election and will fumigate his office." What do you think she meant by that specifically? Any guesses? Well, I'm guessing it's, it's posturing to appeal to her base and motivate her base. Okay, um, just basically talking trash. Exactly. Yep. Okay, because I, I, I took that as, wait a minute, is she going to march in there with somebody and remove him? Because even if he were to lose the election, he's the president until the third week of January. That's right. That's right. And that's not going to change. And the Secret Service won't tolerate that. The Marines won't tolerate that. And it's not going to happen. My goodness. Um, do you think the left would be motivated to not have the election? Um, no, 
the election is going to take place a month from today. That, that will happen. Okay. Um, uh, that what they do want is chaos and uh, questions being unanswered as to uh, the, the true numbers and who got elected president. These mail-in ballots are an absolute nightmare. Uh, and uh, some jurisdictions are having very big problems with mail-in ballots. Others are not. Uh, but it, it's all part of the overall Democratic plan to cause chaos uh, for the outcome of this election, Dave. They're well organized, aren't they? Oh, they are. Don't, you never underestimate your enemy. That's a massive mistake. They've had they four smart. years to prepare, yeah. They're smart, they're organized, and they got lots of money behind them. Don't underestimate these people at all. Here's where I have a real disconnect emotionally. Um, I, I haven't liked a lot of presidents in my lifetime, a few, but I would never think of betraying my own country throwing down with a communist Chinese like Feinstein and, and her friends. Uh, how I look at this and the treason in this country is rampant. And this is what the well, Trump presidency has exposed is how deep the deep state really is. Look at the CVs, the bios of these men and women arrested, these Antifa men and women. Uh, almost all of them come from families of privilege, going to private uh, boarding schools in high school going to private colleges that charge thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 per year. Uh, I've, I've known back during the Vietnam War days, I, I, was, I knew some of these people. They hate themselves. They hate their privilege. They hate their country. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a form of psychosis, quite, fram, quite frankly, Dave. It really is. For people growing up in that environment uh, and turning their back on, that, uh, on the privilege that they grew up with to destroy the uh, privilege that got them to where they are and make everybody equal. They really do believe this communist fantasy that everybody can and should be equal in every way, including economically. Uh, it is a form of psychosis, Dave, and you and I aren't going to change it. What's amazing, though, is they can't find any historical precedent to justify their belief. They don't care. They don't care. They really don't care. Uh, they're using, it was kind of funny. Uh, when uh, the, uh, these Wall Street protesters were doing their thing, what was that? That uh, was before Trump, seven, eight years ago. Um, they were using the same chants, the exact same chants from the 1960s, the exact same communist chants from the 1960s. Um, nothing much has changed. You know, it reminds me what we're seeing today is a widely expanded uh, Weatherman Underground with Bill Ayers. Uh, probably. Uh, since they operate in secret, it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't surprise me if Bill Ayers is still associated with these oh, he people. Is. He is. He's he's actually behind the Chapman University propaganda that's behind the reparations and all the stuff that Newsom's doing with the lockdowns. Yeah, he's still very active. But but I, mean, I, I remember I interviewed the late Larry Grathwall, who was an FBI informant, who penetrated the weatherman. And Bill Ayers told him, when we take over... We're, and he's the guy that launched Obama's career. That's what's really significant about this story. And he told Bill, or Larry, I should say, that when we take over, uh, we're going to have to put 50 million Americans in re-education camps and do away with over half of them. And do you think that's a prevailing uh, viewpoint of the other side? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. These, these people are full of themselves. They think they have power to do things that there's no way they can do. Well, yeah. let me ask you this. A year from now, if we lose this election, will there be a purge like what I just asked? Um, 
I'm not sure what shape, what form it will take, but yes, there will be. Um, and um, with the assistance of United Nations troops and, and uh, foreign troops coming in here, uh, they will reform this country to be something that we never dreamed of. It won't be positive, it'll be very negative. And safe to say that well over half the country is totally ignorant about that possibility? Uh, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. that's what uh, I see too. And uh, the kind of detail that you and I are discussing, uh, there's about 60% of Americans concerned about civil war taking place uh, this year, but they, they really don't have a clue of how bad and how quickly it can get that bad. They really don't. Well, what I get from these people, you know, and I read my message boards and when I have any conversations, what they're really worried about is uh, high taxes, uh, spending, um, changing the Constitution to favor certain groups on the Democrats. And the Republicans are worried about fascism. And this is what the mainstream seems to be saying, and they don't get it. They they don't see that there are people who want to take over this country that want a lot of us dead. Right, right. Well, that's the Chinese goal, and I've got the, the Chinese general's defense minister's speech on my website that we, that we somehow got our hands on it and got it translated. They want America with no Americans. That's the bottom line. That is their ultimate mm -hmm. goal, America with no Americans, so they can move about uh, a third of a billion uh, Chinese here to take over everything we've got. That's, That's what, they what really I want. got too, exactly. And and not only that, um, these uh, Chinese defense ministers, they go back to 2003. This has been their policy, the extermination of Americans for the purpose of uh, no co-occupancy in America. That's been their policy now for 17 years that I can trace. Right, right. Well, it's not just America. Uh, a friend of mine, he runs a uh, restaurant in, Met in Metro St. Louis. He's from uh, uh, oh, Zambia. I almost said Zimbabwe. Zambia. He still has relatives that live in Zambia, his parents and siblings. And, and I started talking about the Chinese colonization of Sub-Sahara Desert. And, and uh, he was aware of some of it, but not all of it. And uh, he says, yeah, John, that makes sense. Uh, but uh, my friend, once again, my friend Command Sergeant Major Page, he spent a year of his life uh, working undercover in Sub-Sahara Desert, uh, Africa, uh, visiting most of those countries, uh, documenting what the Chinese are doing, which is building roads, water treatment plants, power treatment plants, airports, everything they need to colonize uh, Sub-Saharan exactly. Africa. And they're doing that right now. That's been going on for years. Plus, they have their highway finished that goes from China, uh, beginning at the Hindu Kush in, in uh, oh. Afghanistan, all the way to Africa. And they're preparing to build a causeway across the Horn of Africa to uh, the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, cutting off uh, several days travel on, on these trucks. The, the Belt and Road Initiative, and the Chinese are masters at it. John, we're just about out of time. we got about 30 seconds left, and I wanted you to tell my audience how they can follow your great work. Absolutely. Well, everything is linked at my at my website at thelibertyman.com. Do not use a search engine. Put it right in your browser, thelibertyman.com. My show is Monday through Friday, uh, 7 to 10 a.m. Central Time. Archives on YouTube. You can listen anytime you want. And a lot of uh, great information at my website at thelibertyman.com. John, it's always a pleasure to have you on, and I appreciate the work you do. Uh, you're one of my heroes, and, and Paul Martin says that too. We talk about you often, and you are a trendsetter with the news stories you break. Thank you so much, John, for coming Thank on. Thank you, Dave. Good Take care, John. You.